0: Welcome to Dial In, the podcast about customer service, automation, AI, contact centers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Gadi Chamia, the co-founder and CEO of Replicant, a company that automates customer service calls at scale. And I have a very special guest here, Jess Cloud. Uh, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here and, and to talk to you. It's always great to hear from some of the great minds in the industry.
0: Uh, this is you, the great mind. Is you, and I want to hear from you. Okay, well, uh, thanks for
1: giving us a forum. How about that?
0: Yeah, I'm just giving you. I'm I'm, I'm giving good use for a microphone. So maybe <laughs> just share your your uh, a bit about your company and your role in the company.
1: Yeah, so I am the vice president of digital transformation at Health Equity. Um, my, you know, I've I've been in digital transformation for many years, um, but I previously started in data and analytics, so that was where my career started progressively got into automation and then, you know, just full scale, all things, digital transformation, specifically in the contact center is kind of my bread and butter.
0: So so what is health equity? Health and equity both sound like important things.
1: Yes, it is. Um, I have a passion for healthcare in the U.S. Um, a lot of my data and analytics work has been in the, uh, the Medicaid and healthcare systems in the U.S. There's tons of data, as we all know, out there. Um, none of it is synced together as as much as we'd like it to be and exposed to the insights and analytics that we want it to be in the future. So health equity provide is a custodian for um, health savings accounts, flexible spending accounts. So I I've had health savings accounts for almost a decade now, um, just new newer to the flexible spending accounts, but it's really just saving your money to use it on the big ticket items that healthcare provides. So, you know, I, I um I like to tell everybody that I use my health savings account when I when I gave birth to my two children. Um, you know, the out of pocket expense of staying in the hospital for two days, at a normal birth is five thousand dollars. I didn't happen to have five thousand dollars offhand, but of course, naturally with being pregnant, you got nine months to save. So, um, so that was a great use of my health savings account.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's such a complicated system, and I I feel like everybody in the U.S. uh, need to be an expert, not in healthcare, not in what's important to them, which is how to understand their body and what can can, uh, increase their risk and decrease their risk. They have to be expert in how the system works, uh, which is so frustrating because the only thing you want people to be is experts in their own health. Uh, But we can talk more about that. You mentioned you got into automation several years ago. What was the moment like that you knew AI is here, AI is ready to, to really make an impact on customer
1: service? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd say probably two years ago, um, I think the AI dropped bombs everywhere, right? You couldn't turn the corner without people and companies saying AI, but really what they were meaning was automation, right? It was automation intelligence, not artificial intelligence. But a couple of years ago, We started seeing some true predictive insights into, okay. your customers called for this reason. Now we think they're, now this reason is, it seems to be a spike on Mondays, for instance, between nine and 11. And it got really exciting to be able to create those proactive journeys. So everybody wants to map out the customer journey, but like, then you go take it a step further and say, what does it look like to have a proactive customer journey where we've solved their needs before they've even needed to call us? Um, So that, you know, two years ago, we started talking about that. Uh, across the industry, and it really got me excited. That's when I knew AI was truly starting to be embedded into the daily uh, activities that you know folks like us work on from a transformation space.
0: So, where did you start? You start seeing the, this uh, uh, capabilities, automation, uh, intelligence, artificial intelligence in customer service. Uh, where do you start uh, deploying it in in the real world?
1: You know, honestly, a lot of my most successful projects for automation has been based on the business buy-in. So there's all these heat maps out there to say, "Oh, start in finance, start in contact center, start in, you know, HR." Um, but it's really about your specific org. What which department is ready and willing to go on a journey? So you have those conversations with your executives, you get that buy-in and say, "Will you be willing to partner with me to to solve a single pain point, deliver the value, and then naturally word of mouth spreads, and you have people knocking down your door saying, I wanna be next, I wanna be next. Um, you know, I've always started in the contact center. I think that's a bigger operational expense for most folks, especially a lot of customer hands on touch points. Um, it, it's not for everybody. If you don't have a, a larger contact center presence or a footprint, um, you might want to start with finance. So it just really depends. But I obviously have made a career out of starting in the contact center.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned pain points. Uh, what are some of the pain points you've seen uh, automation address in the uh, in the contact center? What, what were these pain points that you identified in, in uh, the CX space?
1: So there's been a lot of automation that... I have found that I have been super valuable in the billing arena. So naturally, anytime you provide a service or a, a product, right, you have to have this type of payment billing scenario. Um, and you just wouldn't believe how much manual errors are being made with spreadsheets or you know validating data from one system to the next system. Um, that's naturally been an uh, an entry point into that financial management system to say hold on, if somebody just fat fingered a zero and we made a million dollar mistake, how can we actually solve that pain point from ever happening again? Um, And, you know, usually people are like, okay, we're listening. We we didn't know that software robots could do that. And that's when I kind of like go into my spiel of saying, actually, software robots can do a lot of things and here's all the things that they can do. Um, And they're like, then the, you can start seeing the wheels turn, and uh, so naturally, I've, I've kind of weaselled my way into those, those kind of examples of when the business felt pain. Then I kind of swoop in and say, "Hey, let's de- let's debrief on that pain and solve it from never happening again."
0: yeah, you, you remind me a bit of the the fat finger as i I uh, ran the car in in Italy, and somebody fat fingered the um uh, the mileage and added ten thousand miles, uh, sorry, kilometers because I was in Europe, ten thousand kilometers to my rent, and I got a bill of forty five hundred dollars instead of like seven hundred. And it's because somebody just added a zero. and it of course took this this became a customer service issue because it took uh, um hours and hours of trying to find Hertz on the phone and uh, and correct this mistake. The other thing that comes to mind when you mentioned that is I just came from uh, a a visit with a prospective customer of ours, um, really large, large company, 1,000, 1,500 people in their contact center. Uh, They take credit cards on the phone uh, often with their customers, and they describe walking into the contact center and their notes uh, and scraps of paper in trash cans with credit card numbers. All over because the agent don't like the UI they have for the credit card information. So they first write all of it on paper and then copy it from the paper to the computer. And I said we need to automate that. Not only because we're going to save a lot of money and agents hate to do this work, because we're so deep not in compliance to PCI uh, that we have to to do that. And I, I relate to it because I I have a, a credit card I'm able to generate one time cards. I will never give my credit card number on the phone to a person uh, unless I create a one-time credit card, knowing that people do that. I, I knew it before, but now I've got a proof that agents yes. actually write down the numbers uh, on piece of paper and then who knows what's going to happen to your credit card number. So it's a great, could we talk a lot about automation um, improving CSAT uh, you know, removing loads from the agent and, and um, uh and the money we can save to companies, but there's also a lot of value in compliance. And so I'm happy you start with financials. So what is one of those use cases that you have implemented uh, in uh, with automation and so results?
1: um well, the the biggest thing that I did is I created a virtual assistant that sat on top of the you know the contact center where they were able to identify and verify the customer. You know they were able to even solve for a lot of the claim submissions as well as handle some account balance kind of like more simple tasks um you know we saw 25 percent containment as a self-service rate for that uh, customer channel and then of course naturally the biggest value that i think it provides is not only insight into the customer behaviors but sending that information over to the agents right i, I think. You know we are so far removed from actually remembering what it was like to call a contact center and them not know who you were and what you were calling about because that's the norm now right you want to call a contact center and you want to pick up the phone you want them to know who you are and why you're why you're calling i'll give you an example target does this really well right um i had an issue with my order picked up the phone to call to see if i could get it rerouted to a different address they said, are you calling about order ending in blah, 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 blah?" Jessica Cloud? Yes, I am, right? That to me means that they knew exactly why I, why I was calling before I called. And it was such a, a, a light bulb moment for me. I mean, this was a year and a half ago, but it was a light bulb moment for me to say, we need to be, that's our, that should be a North Star to be providing that type of customer service to everybody who has an issue with us. Because I do think that, you know, it's always important as we talk about automation, it's it's such a growing area. It is very important to invest in. But we're always going to need a human in the loop because folks have complex problems that need solving.
0: And, and you mentioned 25% containment rate. Um, is is this the north star for automation? Is containment... We, we actually didn't talk about resolution rate, and I wonder if there's a difference between what you call containment and what we call resolution. For us, resolution is... Um, the caller got the issue they called about fully resolved without yes. speaking with um, with an agent. And we, of course, every company is different. We have 80, 90% resolution with some customers. And we have some cases we have, quote, unquote, no resolution because we, all we do is do the intake and then move it. We actually a use case with a nurse in the healthcare space. Hmm. All we do is a nurse intake and then move 100% of the calls to the nurse uh, after we've done the initial um, intake for, for the nurse. So in a way, it's 100% success. But... It's not well, really you, a full you could call that
1: partial resolution, right? Yeah, yeah partial. But so is
0: containment and resolution the same for you? And um, is this, in your opinion, the North Star?
1: No, I, I think resolution is a better term for it because to me th- that very clearly defines that the customer got what they needed and hung up and and doesn't call back. So in previous roles, I have actually measured um When people were able to self-service on the voice assistant, if they didn't call back within five days, we consider that resolution, right? But however, if they called back for the same reason within five days, that took away from our resolution percentage um, because we wanted to dig into those examples to say, what was it that they actually called back uh, for? And how can we actually infuse that into the primary interaction with them so we can make sure that that resolution rate becomes more you know one-to-one to the containment rate so we actually measure both containment rate meaning they called in they hung up or resolution rate meaning they called in they actually hung up and never called back and had you know um, had all of their issues resolved
0: yeah and we find we actually ask people at the end of the conversation to be so all your uh, uh all your issues mm-hmm. how happy you are we use this indication to sometimes even prompt the uh, the call center to call back the customer reach back if um, uh, if there's an issue so there's a lot of ways to interact uh, this way and it's twenty five percent how do you know twenty five percent is good like I'm I'm asking you deeper questions because you're already at, uh, in the automation journey yeah. um, when you look at twenty five how how do you know it's good versus 50 or 70 or 60 or how do you know what good is with I... such a new technology?
1: So I'm actually deep into that philosophical debate at the moment. Um, you know, I hate this answer, but it is the truth. It just really depends on the the channel, right? The channel and the, the reasoning. So for instance, if you have a, a, a sales uh, voice channel, um, you're not gonna have that level of resolution, right? Cause they're gonna go on to talk to people to make that sale or deflect to the, the website to complete the sale. Um, but if you have a, a true customer service dedicated line where we know who you are when you call, you'll usually only call about a simplistic reason, you could expect you know, resolution rates really, really high up into the 80s and 90s. Um, I I think the, the highest resolution rate that I've heard is 70%. Um, and I think that you're doing something really right and you're you're addressing the needs. And that's where you really get more mature in your program to say, okay, how can I parallel address the 30% and also how can I be proactive and have those 70% that are actually resolved in the voice channel? Maybe I need to proactively send them a note. So for instance, if you call in to check your uh, account balance, right? Maybe we could actually send you a text message to check your account balance or ask you to download the app so you can check it there, right? Like how can you actually stop folks from even dialing the number but they still feel that warm and fuzzy and that they're taken care of
0: yeah and and to me it's it's uh, there's a lot of interesting points you're bringing out the difference between deflection which I I hate the term you don't want to deflect anyone uh we work with a customer in a trucking industry and they want us to when people ask for the balance of the reward card they ask us to tell the customer to download the app so you and then get a point. And why don't we just give them the balance? Right. And then as a follow-up text, send them a link to download the app and said, oh, that's, that's a much better idea. So think of it, you're dri- these are truck drivers that are driving in the truck right now. They can't just download an app on on the, high- we don't right. want to do that, that's right. uh, God forbid. And then the other really interesting point is, people ask us about resolution all the time. And we tell them, listen, two things to know about resolution. It's the only thing that matters in automation. Two automation products that look identical. One can solve 70% of your issues, the other can solve five. Uh, and even doesn't matter how much they cost, you want the high resolution because that's the only thing that matters. But also, you're right, resolution will depend in the use case, in the customer, and in the definition of it. We have we have it all the way from agents cannot uh we actually uh have one use case where our resolution rate is higher than agents. There's actually no tier two at this use case because agents don't provide any additional value. And we have use cases, just like the one I mentioned in the nurse intake, where we transfer 100% of the calls to um, uh, to the nurse, but we save the nurse seven, eight minutes in every call. And that's that's the full range in which we, uh, um, we exist. And it's very interesting because one thing I want people to understand is when you buy automation or deploy automation, There's only one KPI, which is resolution rate. Of course, you want to look at customer satisfaction um, and so on, but if you need to choose one, you need to buy it based on resolution. The rest will kind of click in. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of that, this kind of question about bringing automation, and I I think every time I talk with customers, they have this there's a champion that really believe in that, and you, you seem to be one of those. And there's a bunch of skeptics in the organization, but you need the skeptics, you need a CFO for a budget. You yeah. need the uh, IT for integrations. How do you create alignment with all those skeptics?
1: You know, uh, I would say you never really do convert everybody, but you you try, uh, the one of the things that I've been really successful with is, is tailoring my communication style to that business area. So I don't have a boilerplate of like, what's what am I gonna do for digital transformation? I go into every meeting with that executive saying, what am I going to do for automation, innovation, transformation for marketing, for finance, and give them real examples of things I've seen in the industry or things I've personally done to deliver the value or a heat map, for instance, of like here's the um, like I mentioned, the the billing type of transactions that we think the industry has already highlighted. That's a hot spot, needs to be automated. You know, it's it's a wildly um published on Gardner, like you you bring enough information to the table and say, okay, now what is your interest level in partnering with me on building out some, a backlog of type of things, right? Um, But so you do that individually to the departments and then cross departmentally, you know, you just want to make sure that you've delivered the value for one or two use cases. And then you cr- start creating that word of mouth and you ask people like, hey, would you mind talking to so and so and kind of explaining to you the explaining to the skeptics what was the process for you? What do you see the value to be like? And you just you have to rely on that word of mouth, right? To to show that you are legit, you're doing legit things, and AI is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, and you know, I think that that kind of trickles down. Um, it all it always helps to have executive buy in, right? Like that's um, that's always a key there.
0: Mm -hmm. And you look at a very wide automation, Uh, you look at the customer-facing automation, agent-facing automation, what's create a bigger impact, Uh, making the agents a bit more efficient or actually meeting the customers before they even interact with an agent and automating their flows?
1: I love this question. Um, And I'll be a little bit maybe controversial. I'm going to pick the agent-facing tasks. Um, And here's why. Uh, The example of identification verification over the phone Like that all started in roots because we know every call started with who are you, why are you calling, right? So we said, how can we automate that? We didn't think of it as like, this is a better customer experience. We thought of it, this is a shorter time on the phone for an agent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, However, um, I think empowering agents to have more meaningful, valuable conversations will result in a better customer experience. So it kind of like goes out the same way. Um, if you focus solely on the customer experience and never really truly dive deep into that agent experience, I think you're missing a lot of the the whole point of kind of context center modernization. Um, I, I will share, you know, one of the things that I have kept in my dark secrets is I actually have a marketing degree. So I'm in IT, but I have a marketing degree, but my focus was in consumer behavior. So I've done a couple of research papers, published research papers on consumer behavior. And so my role right now is really just marrying the two, building cool IT stuff that empowers AI and modernization with digging deep into that customer experience and that agent experience to say, what would it be like to use these tools and to interact with these tools? And so I'm a big nerd at heart.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you look at, at what next, uh, of course, it's, it's a no brainer to automate authentication and, and uh, tasks like this. And, and of course, we have, you know, we, we can give a lot of examples from our side. But what's what's next in automation? What what can be this win win when the customer gets what they want faster uh, and the agents are left to uh, to deal with really the more complex uh, uh, situations? So and what what's a good example from your from your own work?
1: So my favorite, I've got two examples, actually. Um, my favorite is the predictability and the proactiveness. Like if we know customers usually call on a Monday to check their account balance, maybe we go and send them proactively on a Friday, right? Um, and and coupled with that, meeting that them with the channel of their choice. So if they usually email, they like to email or they text, I know we, we've talked about that, like everybody has their channel preference so making sure that we're sending those messages to the channels that we think that they'll engage us on or see read instantly and then the second example is that agent experience focusing on knowledge um knowledge interactivity and engagement so everybody knows in the contact center you know we, you have a knowledge repository it changes every all the time um and the the Tenured agents folks can't keep track of all the newer information. So I've, I've, I've recently deployed a, a tool where it engaged the agents on their Microsoft Teams. It asked them daily trivia about really complex areas that are truly friction points for the customer and the agent. And it's allowed them to think outside the box in a controlled environment, not when they're on the phone, pressured to answer the customer's call, but in the morning they can start their day or during their break, and it's a it's an interaction tool and it's an engagement tool. So they're not they're not um, penalized if they answer it wrong. It's it's also giving us a gauge of how well our training is doing. How much
0: I love I love this it's such yeah. a great way to kind of hack um, uh, a training environment, which is interesting. Enough. Let's sit here and watch the video again. I love yeah. it to do that. You have and, to
1: gamify and... it, right? Everybody wants to gamify their their
0: interactions. Uh, and this is not the reason I love it. I want I want to underscore it so the listeners can can really pay attention. Is there's so much boring gamification. Oh, earn a badge or to get a sticker. And and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's cool and nice and some people like it. But the reality is this is not gamification. This is an effective training yeah. the way people want to be trained um, because nobody wants to sit in the class for an hour. It's much easier to to do this type of trivia. So it's I, I don't like the term gamification because it's got bad rep 10 years ago where everybody tried be before Square for the contact center. Mm-hmm. This is just training people the way human brains are, I uh, like to be trained, quick right. burst of information right. and quiz, quizzes versus like lecture. So I love it. And right. I think if people copy that uh, they've, they've done, uh, you already contributed something to the world. Um, so how, how do customers react to automation? What's your actual experience uh, with, with their reaction?
1: So a couple of years ago, when we changed from the IVR to a, a voice assistant, um, we certainly had a couple of, of customers hang up, right? They thought they had dialed the wrong number. And I feel like this is really follows very closely the customer adoption model, right? they They're aware of it, they inspect it, they're exploring it, and then they adopt it. So I would say within six months, we had... Uh, a pretty good customer adoption where they were engaging with the voice assistant. They were giving us new words that we had not heard before. We were constantly learning and had the AI tool kind of plugged in to say, you know, this is a word I haven't heard before. What word would this map to? And so we had somebody kind of constantly addressing that, training the model. Um, So I would say, you know, Customers when introduced to that a couple of years ago were reluctant and explored it for six months before they adopted. it. Now I think everybody's kind of used to at least talking to robots and robots knowing who they are and interacting, even given them, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when folks weren't, reluctant to give them the credit card number over the phone to a robot they thought it was less safe well now we know from your example it's actually less safe to give it to a human because humans write it down on a piece of paper robots mask it de-identify it for a you know for a moment only to uh, pass it through right so I, i see i've seen a lot of good customer adoption recently which is really promising for the industry
0: yeah, and and when you started uh, work, your AI journey a few years ago, it was before LLMs uh, and and generative AI and and everything at OpenAI and now so many other companies brought to the world. How would this change um, your specific approach to uh, um, uh, using AI in a customer service space?
1: Yeah, it it definitely was before that. I I think it's going to impact it's going to impact bigger in the next in 2 years and it will impact probably in the next 6 to 9 months. I think people are trying to wrap their heads around how to best supply it and where's the most applicable application department, etc. Um for us I definitely think, you know, plugging in the LLMs and generative AI into the voice channels is is like a no-brainer. Um customers say things one-offs You know, it's going to constantly learn what people are saying, what people are thinking that they're needing to. So their intent that for calling versus what we thought that they intended to call for, um, I think it's going to continuously give us more insight into the customer sentiment. Uh, I also think, you know, layered onto, like we mentioned, all those kind of the knowledge engagement items is going to help folks, you know, not scroll through a bunch of pages of of articles for what What should I do if somebody has a billing question, they can quickly ch- 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 put it into ChatGPT. Um, customer has a, a billing question around, you know, a, a decline a credit card, what should I do? If I'm a new agent, I wanna use those tools to the best of my ability, but I also don't want the customer waiting three minutes while I do the research, right? So it p- provides that orchestration layer to say, I didn't answer now, And I also need you to learn from those answers. So if I were an agent for a year, maybe there's some insight there to say, how many times did Jess put in her keyboard uh, what to do with billing questions? Well, that will tell my supervisor, I'm not very well-trained on billing questions. I might need extra support on billing questions. Well,
0: so I'm gonna ask you our last question for this part of the podcast, then we're moving into speed dial. Uh, there's so many people, you mentioned it, are uh, on the fence now looking at at uh, what to do um, uh, when it comes to customer service and AI. What's your, what's your kind of one sentence, sentence advice to them?
1: Uh, I would start small. Find a partner that is all in and start small and then market it and communicate it till your face is blue, right? Create a, a roadshow and a demo and show everybody how cool it can be and then the the work will come.
0: That that's a great advice. We had McKinsey in our um uh in our um, customer conference in in uh, Nashville just two weeks ago. And their advice was don't do POCs, pick one area and just go in and iterate on it. It's gonna work. Don't yes. find a vendor you want to work with and you trust, don't POC it, just go in and do it and you're gonna see the results. I thought it was a great uh advice for McKinsey. This is the team that works on customer service. Um solely and and it was just a great one because we've been preaching it for years We we know it's going to work if you're going to poc it you're going to find reason not to do it just go in iterate just like you build software and we see great results this way so jumping into our last part of the the podcast uh speed dial so this is what i'm going to ask you Series of short questions, and you're going to answer them uh, with short answers. Okay. Um, so it's going to be more fun for people. So tell me about the a recent exceptional customer service uh, experience you had, something that blew your mind.
1: Yeah. So um, I think airlines really are on the forefront of the customer experience. So I was in a meeting, needed to move my flight due to a family issue, was was chatting with an agent while on the meeting. So like trying to pay attention, but also chatting on my mobile app, right? She quickly changed my flight. Zero cost to me. My boarding pass was updated in my app instantly. It was like done, all done within five minutes. It was amazing. You are, I think, the third person
0: in this podcast I mentioned an airline. You can actually give him credit. Which airline was it? It was United. Yeah, I, I, I got um, Mike Milburn, was the uh, chief customer officer of of uh, Salesforce Service Cloud, mentioning that as well. I'm a United customer. Half the reason I fly United uh, is, is just customer service. If something goes wrong, I know they will deal with that, and I, I think it's a living proof how customer service can really change your uh, relationship with a brand. That absolutely not the best carrier in the U.S. Uh, when it comes to the flight themselves, absolutely the best in customer service. So, if you think of the agent of the future, let's fast forward three, four, five years ago from now with all you know about AI. What the personality traits they need? How would they look different than than the agent of today?
1: Um, I think they just need to tap into kindness. I think in this fast paced world, everybody just wants answers fast, and and just having the patience and kindness to have that customer service heart, I think is going to be so critical. And and that's one of the things I admire about agents today is. Usually when I'm sidejacking or, you know, shadowing somebody, I generally just sit down with people that are just have kindness in their heart and it goes a long way. And of course, adaptability, right? You you can't, you can go a lot of places if you just adapt to the ever-changing IT landscape that they have to orchestrate today.
0: And this will be my time to to remind people um don't only expect agents to be kind to you you expect them to be kind to agents they are taking sometimes 50 or 60 calls it looks exactly like the call you called them about same the same problem so always be kind to customer service agents they didn't cause you any harm
1: that's so right that's
0: that's my psa every time people talk about agents need to be kind yes and customers need to be kind to the agents and it's all gonna be better for, for everyone. I used to run customer service in my 20s and I literally had a tissue box, uh, a box of Kleenex in my office uh, because every day somebody walk in with tears and I'll just give them a Kleenex and a little chocolate to say, okay, what happened? And I just became the the uh, the confession booth for um, yeah. uh, my customer service team. Um, so speaking of, of, um, of that, uh, kindness is what agent will need to solve this type of problems. In in yeah, same five years period from now, how many uh, what's percent of the issues is gonna be resolved by automation versus agents? What do you think the balance will be? 50-50, 90-10?
1: Um I'd say I'd say 70-30.
0: 70 yeah. for automation.
1: 70 for, for automation, 30 for human in the loop. Yeah. I, I think that we can really um, push hard in the next couple of years and solve for a lot of issues that have just been around for way too long, right? And 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 that's the thing is like I think I see cus- uh, companies investing more in technical debt or automation transformation, whatever you want to call it. They're like they're just tired of it. They know it's holding them back to scale their business. And so they've they've chosen the next two years to really solve those problems. So I think we're going to see a, a big jump in the next couple of years.
0: And still staying with agents, what do you admire the most about customers or contact center agents? Which which trade about agents you admire the most?
1: Um, honestly, it's their ability to work the tools that they have. Like they're, they're usually orchestrating multiple screens. They're also talking while they're clicking. The multitasking is unreal. You know, I, I, my husband actually used to be uh, in IT and support the contact center. And he said he had one agent who literally went faster than her computer could go. Like that's how, how streamlined she was. And they had to upgrade her computer every year because she would just run it ragged how, how hard she would push it to the limit. I love I guess, that story. Right. Because it
0: depends which computer, which well, <laughs> computer. It's either the agent was really good or the computer was really bad. Um,
1: I think the agent was really good because no one else had that problem. It was just that one agent. So he, he, he admired her. And I use, I love using that story because I think that's a com- more common occurrence than we give it credit for.
0: Yeah. So, what technology is the biggest I made mean, the biggest impact uh, on customer service? So you have been have been in the space for a while now. Where do you see the biggest impact?
1: Um, I, I personally love the story about chatbots and chat functions. Um, I'm one that's typically introverted, so I'm I'm on video calls all day. If I have a personal problem, like I mentioned in my airline thing, sing, I'm going to tap into a chat bot or a chat function with an agent and just get it solved. I don't usually pick up my phone a lot unless I know it's a really complex problem that only a human could walk me through or explain to me. Um, but that's been, you know, transformational for me is to connect with people to multitask. I can, I can chat while also on a meeting, et cetera. Um, I'm not doing that right now, but yeah, I think that's a really cool win. I don't think it's the future, but I think in the last five years, it's been something that's really pushed the limits as far as what does customer service interactions look like? And then we're going to keep defining that every couple of years on what's, you know, and reinventing that.
0: All right. My couple of last questions AI destroy the world or create amazing things?
1: Okay. I, I would say create amazing things comma cautiously <laughs> so cautiously optimistic ca- cautiously optimistic i i do think it's a valuable tool to embed into products capabilities companies etc um i just think that you know i think we just have to be cautious as humans that naturally we have our own bias right like i said when i when i built that virtual assistant many years ago um we designed it to where we thought we knew what customers were going to say that we didn't know, right? We were using terms, our own organizational terms that customers don't use. So I think that AI can be a valuable tool. I just want I want it, want it to be able to be used and, and to be flexible enough to expose the biases and to pivot, right? I think we'll we'll all get there.
0: Yeah, this opportunity to shout out for uh, another customer service leader was innovator you know, and you would like to see on the podcast. Anybody that you appreciate you would like to see here as well.
1: Um yeah, so I would love to nominate Kevin Frederick. Um, he actually works at OneReach AI. Um, and if Kevin can't do it, I'd love to see somebody from Gardner on here, right? They they I just went to the Gardner IT Symposium and there was all the buzz around all of this. So Someone from Gardner would have lots of things to say about it.
0: Amazing. Jess, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us. It was amazing and, and uh, informative conversation. I want to thank everybody for dialing in. Uh, and until next time. Thanks, Gatti. Thank you.